Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing of the NRL tour. Back for another week of the Fifth and Last NRL podcast. Find us on Twitter at Fifth and Last. That's letter N, not the word N on Facebook. Fifth and Last NRL podcast and the podcast itself, as always. iTunes, Audio Boom, our main one, and obviously now on Spotify and still seeking to branch out and go on a couple more platforms after people have gotten in contact with this box head. But uh, another big week in rugby league, and as always, never dull. Never dull, no. First sacking, a few surprises. <sighs> Um, but yeah, overall, I, I'm really enjoying the footy, so uh, all positive, but um, a difficult week for the one Stephen Kearney. 100%, and we'll jump straight in as we always do, our set of six. If you're first timer with the 5th and Last NRL podcast, welcome. If you've been with us for a long time or any period of time, you know how this works. Six tackles, our set of six, six things we want to talk about, whether it be opinions, a topic, a player, a statement, anything we want to talk about. And the first thing is just that, Kearney. Uh, gone, the timing of it, the owners, stability of the club, the future, who's the next coach. There's a lot of questions to come out of this. I think the biggest thing that everyone was obviously shocked about was the timing because given the whole COVID situation, what they're going through, the injuries they've had, relocating, and it seemed as though they were holding together pretty well. Obviously, they, they were 2-2. Two and two. I don't think anyone really expected them to probably win. You know, more than one or two games if they were lucky with the injuries and some of the, the situations they've already put in. But two and two, you know, 26 hit to the Panthers. And yes, the weekend wasn't exactly a great performance, but I just found it a bit baffling. Um, it came out kind of afterwards that they'd done a review before. They talked about there was a change on the rise or a possibility of a change. And everyone says, what's the difference if it's now or the end of the year if they know he's going to go? I sort of get that, but I... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just find it weird as to why you would do it right I, now. I don't understand the timing, particularly when you just go and employ Todd Payton, who's an assistant coach to yeah. Kearney. If they had someone to come in immediately that was going to change the culture of that place, I get it. Uh, but the character of that organisation's got to come into question. Ooh. They are, they're a soft organisation. They're an organisation who, if things are going well and they're able to play their own style... They've always been very good and very dangerous um, and very hard to, I guess, to play. But as soon as they get a little bit of uh, hardship or, uh, you know, they've got to tough through something, they struggle. And traditionally, they've signed players of that ilk. The only two times that they've made grand finals, they've had an element of tough within their roster. And I I just think that's gone. Now they've made some strange decisions in terms of recruitment. I think probably, you know, the best recruit they've had 
uh, in the last 10 years is Roger Tuovasa-Shek, but yep. even he's just battling away. He just trying to do, job, his, do his he's best. Got no he's, help. He's, he's not really surrounded by anyone. The, the biggest thing for the Warriors at the moment is that they don't have a dominant forward pack. No. They're, they're, they're a country riddled with <clears throat> um, skillful, large, powerful forwards. And the unfortunate thing for the, the, the Warriors at the moment is that a lot of those, your best Kiwi players are playing for other NRL franchises. And the sooner that they understand that it's not just about the New Zealand in their name, it's about actually competing and being a franchise mm. and not loyalist to players who are underwhelming. Yeah. Just because they've come through your system or yeah. just because they're from New Zealand. Yeah. We've seen that in the past. Like you said, when Steve Price went there, when Kevin Campion had yeah. a stint there, when they had Maloney mixed in, they, they, people say it all the time. They need a mix of some well, Australian, Australian I don't even think it's Australian. Like Simon Mannering is one of the toughest yeah. players you'll ever come across. He was a Kiwi. He's born and bred um, New Zealand warrior. So I, I don't... I, look, I do subscribe to the Australian theory, but... You know, from an Australian franchise perspective, I'd say you need to have a mix of Kiwis and Pacific Islander players in your side as well. Like, everyone just needs the right mix. And the other and thing, at the I moment, the mix just isn't there. Is talent identification. They had, like, a CSC Watakiaha. Yeah. Can, 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 can yeah. I bring into question, would he have become that player if he doesn't go to the Roosters and Trent Robinson? 100% I can. But that player but is that player. I, I watched him play when he was there, and they used him as a back row and a centre and a goal kicker, I kind of thought. This guy is one of the better of that group. I don't know how they've let him go, and he goes there and turns into this awesome front row that we now see. Yeah. So even that side of things. And I think the bigger part, and again, Cameron George seems like a pretty good operator. He's got a good reputation, but ownership. It's chopped and changed the last couple of years, on, off, on, off. They had Watson. They went to somebody else. There's a company called Ortex, I think, that owned part of it. Now they've got the full share. Like That side of things needs to be stable as well. Because every time someone new comes in or every time someone gets control of it, the first thing they generally do is shake the joint up. Mm. So until you've got stability and ownership, stability in your GM, and then you go forward with the coach and have some stability there in a direction you want to go, they're not going anywhere as a club. I think one positive that was announced recently is they've linked with the Redcliffe Dolphins, which is a positive move, I think, for them to have a tap into the Australian setup. You know, be linked with a club that's a very dominant club up there. They'll probably get a couple of players out of that as well as be able to put their own players over here. Um, does that apply only for Cup? I'm not sure of the terms 100% yet, but I'd love them to say that they're going to f- put a team in the 20s competition up there. That would be a great well, idea. Well, they pulled out of the 20s here in New South Wales, so, the flag last year, and then moved into SG Ball. Yep. We were due to go over there and play them, but fell through due to coronavirus, obviously. But And they, they looked a very, very they strong team. They did look team, a good side. So. But... You know, transit. They've always been strong in 18s, 20s, but it yeah. never seems to translate through. Either, as you said, they don't keep the right ones, or their development from 18s through to NRL is just not upstanding. No, so I, I think there's some small positives in that side of things with the new owners in Cameron George. But the next coach, that's the thing. Like they need to make a good choice because again, they can't go through another two or three years wasted, poor decisions, and then try to start again. This has to be the correct decision. Uh, the talk is that it's Todd Payton's job to lose. We know from times we've talked in the past, again, depending on how long people have listened to us for, he'd had some jobs in the 20s and he obviously had some time at the Tigers. There was some murmurs there that obviously he was trying to undermine Jason Taylor and then he had some time at the Cowboys and he was moved on from there as well or moved on to his own uh, uh, you know, own volition to go over to New Zealand. So. He's definitely tried to find himself a spot. Obviously, in this situation, I think he's had nothing to do with it. It was purely the club. But if he's looking for an opportunity, he's got one now. But I don't know if things are going to work out so well unless he's, 
you know, got a really, really good relationship and this group want to pull together because the words from his own mouth was it was like a death in the family. And some players were talking like, you know, they wouldn't be surprised if a few blokes wanted to go home or weren't keen to play this week, which is scary because they're going to play Melbourne, who have been quite underwhelming as well this week. Mm, I'm surprised um, that they, they even gave the players the option. Yeah, I don't think in they the did. End, I yeah. think the, the players were basically saying within their own group that uh, the way they're feeling, I guess, after being over here for almost nine weeks. Yeah, but the players should have had had a um, more of a crack on field for Kearney then. Yeah, exactly. That's you know, it's all well it. and good to do the harker and, and to feel sorry for Kearney once he's, the axe had fallen down, but I think a few of those players probably need to look in the mirror and think, well, did I do as much as I possibly could while he still had a job? Well, candidates, people have thrown up a bunch of names. Wayne Bennett was mentioned. I think of all the places, he won't be going over to New Zealand. So I'd, I'd put the pen through that one. People have said again they need an ex-Kiwi or someone with gravitas. They've already tried that before. And it hasn't worked. They're two times they were the most successful. I'm not saying it has to be an Australian coach again, but it was an Australian coach. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a Kiwi. Ivan Cleary did a good job, and obviously Daniel Anderson did a good job. Yeah. When they had Bluey McClellan, that didn't work out. They've just had Kearney for four years. That hasn't necessarily worked out. So they've tried that way as well. There was mentions in the past of one of the Iroh brothers who'd been an assistant there forever. Is he in the running? If Peyton doesn't get it, I don't know. People were talking about Stacey Jones, who, in my opinion, again, he's done bugger all coaching. I know he's been at the club. Wiki's been at the club. No one like that should take this job. It's, it's not a job for one of these ones, again, where you just put in an ex-player. Some serious contenders or some people to actually consider. Nathan Brown was brought there at the start of the year. Again, people may say, well, he just got fired from Newcastle. One thing you can't knock is his record at coming and doing a building job. But even given the job he's done at Newcastle and his sort of skill set for doing that, I don't know if you could do the same job at the Warriors. I don't think you could get players as easily within, say, a Sydney-based location or if you were somewhere else to kind of do that job. I don't know if it would work in New Zealand. So I don't know if he's the kind of bloke you'd want to look at either. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't know where yeah, they go. I, 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 really I would don't. think to make a decision like this, they'd have someone in mind. And they'd well, almost have a deal so. across the line because, you know, I'm, I'm firmly of the opinion that you don't go and pull the trigger like this unless you've got your next coach at least interested, over the line, um, handshake agreement at least. Well, and to me, yeah. it doesn't even look like they've got anything in place. No, so they've either got but someone... I don't want to judge them at the moment because they may well do and they're just giving Kearney the respect of, you know, to let some time pass before they do announce it. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be anyone who's coaching right now. No. So no. if you look at external to the candidates, there's no one really there who, you know, I'm in love with. No, or again, that I think would do a significantly job. better job than Kearney. The, the, their biggest issue at the moment is their roster. Their roster, they don't have good players. So regardless of what coach you've got there, they need to have a better roster. Their recruitment retention needs to be better. Simple as that. Yeah, and again, we question They can wax year. lyrical on about you know the coach, but please. Yeah, and we've talked about this last year. I agree that there's about the Sean Johnson move, but then to go spend the money on Nicarima, I just thought that was silly. Well, yeah, that's why I would like have... Just I would, that was my argument the at the time. I would have kept Johnson. I would have paid Johnson. I wouldn't have paid Because I, I, I believe that Johnson's a better player than Nicarima. They've gone and spent just as much almost on Nicarima. Anyway, like, it's it's a pointless argument. Yeah. Because Basically, it's... To, to be fair, I wouldn't have paid Johnson the amount that they were going to pay him either. No. So... The assumption I'm going to make right now, though, and again, it's only an assumption, I don't think they've got another candidate. I think they must like Peyton, and they're giving him the rest of the year to see what he can do with the group. And if it works out, he'll get the job. Other than that, I some of the other names that were mentioned, I don't well, know. Well, if that's what ends up happening, I, I I see it as not a probably a step sideways. I don't, you know, I, I don't know Todd Payton from a grain of salt. I, I don't know how good of a coach he is or 
or um, any of the, the details behind, you know, how he goes about his business. So it's not fair for me to judge Todd Payton, but, I, you know, it's not a proven first-grade NRL coach. Like, he, he's going to coach his first game this weekend. So he may well be a, a fantastic coach in the long term, but at the moment, you're going from someone who's very experienced, very respected, to someone who's a rookie. Uh, I, I don't see. I don't see why they couldn't have just done this at the end of the year. I'm with you. And given Peyton, or done it last year, pun him at the end of last year. Yeah, and there was and also, then give Peyton the whole preseason. There was also some murmurs as well, which again I think they yeah. they've put links to Isaac Moses again, saying yeah. that this is Isaac Moses's client, and he had that good year. They made the finals. They put pressure on for the extension, and then that supposedly the club was threatened that if he didn't have him on board, he'd take other players like Blair. Isaac Luke or Blake Green, etc. These kind of things at the time, which again, it, I'd never put anything past managers to do things like that, make moves like that. But one of the first links was that now that Isaac Moses is supposedly deregistered, or even though he's going to appeal it, that they've sacked him because of that. I'm like, I, I highly doubt just because an agent got deregistered suddenly that week or is up for deregistration, that was suddenly the moment they go, all right, now we can fire him because yeah. he can't take those players. Those players can still kick up a stink, complain. We know that contracts are as good as toilet paper at times. If they didn't want to be there, they could leave anyway. Yeah. So I, I don't buy into that theory, but I'm with you. I, I don't know who, but I'm assuming they've either got someone that we don't know about, and we've mentioned some of those names. I don't know if any of them will get the job or the right people for the job, or they're basically saying to Todd Payton, you've got the rest of this year, prove that you're the right person, and we'll put you in the position. Um, I hope they play better, and I hope they continue to fight on, given the circumstances. But for me, I would have handled it this way, and people may disagree. I would have rang Stephen Kearney, or flying over myself and people go, oh, that's silly. There's a two-week isolation period. I would have sat down face-to-face as the owners or Cameron George and say, look, at the end of this year, we're heading in a different direction, but we want you here in the role that you're doing right now, keeping the group together, holding things together. He's going to get his payout. He's going to get paid. But he'd have been happy now, but I think he at least deserved the respect um, to finish the season off, given the circumstances and what they're going through and the job he's done so far. Yeah, I agree. So, I think the other question is, does he become a first-grade coach again after this? So I think that may be the end for Stephen Kearney. I think he'll go to England. And I think he'll do a fantastic job in England. Yeah. I, I respect Stephen Kearney. He won a World Cup. Uh, he's coached at three NRL clubs as an assistant and as a um, as a head coach. Uh, I think he's, you know, ta- technically, tactically, I, I don't know, but I, I would imagine that he can motivate players. Yeah. And particularly for those Kiwi boys, you know, like, you're not going to get a better role model or someone that's been there, done that, yeah. than Steve Kearney. And I know that that's not the be-all and end-all, and we're often critical of clubs that do it because, you know, put ex-players in because they've been there and done that. But yeah. I would think to have won a World Cup, he's got some knowledge. He's been in Melbourne. Bellamy kept him around for a long time. Parramatta thought it was, um, you Wayne know, Bennett good enough the to... Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think Steve Kearney can coach. Hmm. Uh, and if not, he'll make a good assistant to somebody. And I think. again, I, I can totally relate to his situation. Like, there's, there's just times there where you, you're coaching as well as you possibly can be, and the results just aren't there. Yeah, because you don't have the cattle. Hundred percent. And you know, I've coached for fifteen years. I've had I've had teams that have been as talented as all hell who I haven't I haven't done a good job with, and that probably haven't reached their potential. But people externally would think, well, they've won you know eight games and lost four. That's that's he must be a good coach. Mm. Whereas, you know, I've done some of my best coaching and we've won two games and lost six. You know, like, I, results aren't everything. You, you need to be within the inner sanctum um, and seeing two things. I think the two two vital things for a coach, 
A, you need to be prepared and be all over everything and working your ass off, no doubt about that. But you've got to have good connections and good relationships with your players. So if the, the two reasons here, if they've sacked Kearney because, A, there's been issues with the players or the players are off him or, you know, they just think that scenario is stale, <coughs> I get it. Or if he's not working hard and he's, you know, doing the wrong thing and there's people in there that are saying, look, more could be done and they think it's negligent the way that he sort of going about his business, but I'd, I'd find it really hard that either of those are true. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I'll probably go back to your original point, Matt. I think it's probably a... It, it was an ownership decision because Cameron Joyce uh, distanced himself from the decision. He said, yeah. look, it was a it was a meeting via phone. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't have the final decision. It was an ownership He decision. said himself, I've, I've been here for four years now. We've had three different sets of ownership. We've had four or five different coaches, this many coaches over a certain amount of time, including interims. Mm. The main thing he brought up again is stability. And I think one good step, and he said exactly that, was the Redcliffe move. Linked with a powerful club, Queensland-based, gives you another tap into a junior base there or some play base. Gets more of your players playing in that competition, possibly set up a 20s team in that comp. Maybe they move into the 18 set up there as well. I don't know. But maybe that helps them. Yeah. <coughs> oh, ooh, I apologize. Tackle two, the coaching circus. I don't want to spend as much time as we did last week because we addressed a lot of it. But again, like we said, there's never a dull moment. There's always something happening in rugby league. Dean Pay, his situation wasn't helped, even though, again, I thought they fought for him the other night. Straight away after the game, he brought up, there's a board meeting this Thursday. He reckons he could be gone as of this week. Possibly. And then you mentioned it before, you thought Bennett would be linked to the job. Well, what do you know? Wayne Bennett's now being linked to the job this week. Whether that's true or not, or whether, again, he's doing what he does best and putting his name out there, linking himself to the Dragons, linking himself to the Dogs, everyone. We know that he's good at doing that. Is that the right move for the Bulldogs? I don't know. But I think short and simple, I'm pretty sure you agree with me. The same thing I've said the last few weeks. They need to make a decision very soon because they're having players that they're looking to go after or players with their own squad that aren't willing to make a decision while they don't know who's going to be in charge. They've got the salary cap situation freed up. He's done the dirt work for them. They need to pay him enough respect for what he's done to either say, you're the man moving forward and we're going to build this roster with you, or we're not. Yeah. Plain and simple. It has to happen. It looks like they've just bought pay in as a stopgap to try and, yeah, A, do the dirty work, and B, then try and sign, clean up the roster and try and sign someone with that Pull projection of, yeah, I've got three mil, we've got four mil, come and coach here. And the other thing, I guess... I, I said it a month ago, I, th- I think Bennett. The board changed as well, which didn't help his case. The board that originally brought him in is no longer there. Mm. So that's one situation. Morris, they get a win this week against the Bulldogs. Last week it was Eddie Jones. Now they're talking about Paul Green, who, again, mentioning him, he spoke last night on 360 saying that he doesn't feel any pressure at all and he's all good and he brought up other bits and pieces that, again, excuses, not excuses, I don't know, but spine combinations, never played more than four games together last year. This year, having similar problems, he's not worried. He doesn't feel like he's lost the dressing room. But then straight away, they mentioned links to the Sharks, and he's brought up the old line of, oh, I haven't got anything to do with that. I don't know what my manager's been doing, etc." So there's a bit of Dunson Drakes going on. And when that rumour came out again last week, you, I get the feeeling that there may be something there. Mm. But I there was there's way too much smoke and fire the last 12 to 24 months around the Cowboys, the playing group, and Paul Green. I, I definitely think he's not going to be there at the end of this season. Yeah, that, that were disgusting in the first half on the weekend. I still feel that was, sorry uh, for Again, Morris. negligent. I don't think Paul Green is a negligent coach. No. He has won a competition. He's had a lot of success there. He's turned them into uh, an elite side. You know, that, Before that, they were sort of finals contenders every year and they'd struggle away from home, but he turned them into a team that could win away from home. 
um, and into a team that has competed for finals for, you know, what, the last, you know, how long has he been there for now? Probably seven, six, seven years. At least that, yeah. Uh, so I think it's I think it's a relationship problem there. Either there's something off with elements of the playing group or there's, there's elements uh, of players off with someone within the organisation and Paul Green's coaching staff. Uh because what they're doing there is is just not up to scratch at the moment. No. But it also, I'd also say in his defence, like he's got a lot of old players there. Um, you know, there, there were just some efforts in defence on the weekend that were just horrendous. As a whole, uh, and, and I'm not, not going to I'm not going to single anyone out. No, as a whole, um, terrible. As a whole, they were awful. But there were just some players there. Like if you go back and watch the tries and how the tries came about. From initial line breaks, like there's some old players there, some guys who are champions of the club, but are just no longer up to scratch. Uh, either probably a little bit of effort and enthusiasm, but but also I just think their legs are gone, and their best footies behind them. So to me, I think they've rolled enough young blood in, as I said before. They've got Robson, they got Esan Mars, probably not early enough. Though, I don't think they got Clifford. Like Hess came in and he's flattened out. They've got Dunn. They've got Molo. You got Tamalolo. Like it's not like they haven't made an effort to roll players in. But I think they're probably far too reliant on Tamalolo. Hundred percent they are. But I think he's not going to be there. I don't know how that pays out. But he he answered some questions and he was pretty blunt last night. But the whole as soon as someone says I don't know what my manager's doing or I've got nothing yeah, to do with that, I'm just a bit suspect. So. I would I would say if I was Paul Green, I'd be looking for a job elsewhere. I'd get out before I get. I don't know Chopped. if I'm him. I'd want the Sharks' job to be honest. I like the Sharks' younger players, but I don't think they're going to still be able to solve yeah, the feet of Dugan Johnson. There's a few contracts there along with Moylan that. that well, where are you going to go? With. And Morris, I feel sorry for again because Morris took on this shit last year. The cap problems, that situation, mm. got him to the finals. Morris is another classic pay situation. Yeah, where he's a stopgap, do some dirty work for us, and in the meantime, we'll try and free up some cap space and look for another coach. But from what he overcame last year and the. the the fact that the majority of that young good core that's going to be left over has come through with him through the lower grades in their twenties, wouldn't you be trying to help him clear? I, out those I was few surprised guys? when he got the job. I was surprised. Too, I was surprised, but, but now I think you need to stick with him. I do too, because that group are loyal to him. The younger group, they're the core long term. Mm. I think if you can get rid of those few, or get a move for Johnson to get out of there, or get Fafita medically retired if that's the situation, or Dugan tried to do it now he wants to play. I don't know, but there's. Two or three bad deals there, along with Matt Moylan, who's made a paper mache that aren't his doing. Mm. The Brayleys, the Sherry's, who's now suspended, obviously, your Britain Nakoras, Magulius's, Kennedy's, all those guys have come through with him through that junior pathway. Yeah. So, they, again, they may need to make a decision as well yeah, what way they're heading. How many, have we got anyone else we need to talk about? The Go last to. one uh, was Bellamy being linked to the Bulldogs, which I think is a crock of bullshit. Yeah, I, I think Bellamy nailed in his press conference. He said, look, I might, I might coach one more year. Yeah, um, that may change, but why would he? Why would he? Why would he leave? Well, like he said, not well, the opposite. It's not me talking. Well, on. I think he might leave. I, I could see him going to the Bulldogs as a rugby league head of rugby league or something along those lines. But you know, doesn't his family live in Queensland? I think part of his family does, and his mum and all that still living over on in Portland. So he talks all you know, about whether, his whether grandkids. He could go to yeah. So where do they live? I think part of them, part of his family's on the Gold Coast or up, up that way. Mm. But well, he seems adamant. The last few times, he's basically always said this may be his last deal. Oh, more to the point, though, is he shot down anything and brought up probably the biggest thing, which journos aren't accountable to anything that they have to write. They just say what they yeah, want. Yeah, I get that. But I, I do think 
post-Melbourne, he's still going to be involved in rugby league in some capacity, and that's where I could see him moving to a club. But I would say he's going to move somewhere that's geographically close to his family. Yeah, I couldn't say So that would be what, Titans, Broncos, or Canberra? I don't think he'll take another head coaching gig, and on top of that... No, I don't think so either. I think that he'll move into a role... At that age, I don't think he's going to be taking a rebuilding job. He's sort of doing a mini-rebuild or a mini-transition as he is now why would he Melbourne. Move? So why would he go to start at the Bulldogs after what he's accomplished at Melbourne over almost probably 20 years by the time he's done or close to? But that one was shot down very quickly, and I love the way he just took them all to school, basically. I quite enjoyed it. So, yeah. And the last one, every... Dragons fan out there is probably going to go talk about that again, but there's nothing to be said for that situation. It's going to stay the way it is, regardless of results. They don't want to pay him out. They've got a clause there similar to what Manly did with Trent Barrett, where they can basically say, as of this time, we're going to give you notice, which will be the end of this season. And I'm sticking with my original thought, which is he won't be the coach next year. They'll pay him out the minimal amount, and they'll get their service for the rest of this season, which means that I'm half of next year, and I reckon they're going to hire Craig Fitzgibbon. So there's not going to be... Anything to do with results? Again, forward. I just don't see the point in if they're not, they're, going, to they're not going to hire one of the assistant coaches that are currently there. Let McGregor see exactly. the year out, and I think they will. And and then make him move at the end of the year. If they wanted to make this move, they should have done it again last November. Yeah, and they extended when they did the review. Situation. Yeah. So when they did the review, they should have done it then. Yeah. Tackle three, the Raiders. Uh, they're not the only ones. Like I think Melbourne's been a little bit up and down, but the Raiders, a bit of a rut. Not playing the best football. Last weekend, like I said, in the past, a performance that you wouldn't expect from them, they got the job done. Uh, the week before that, not the greatest. On the weekend, again, you get Manly. Lose two players very, very early on. Have to readjust straight away. Come into the game without Suley, without Marty Tapio. They've got them 15 down in the second half with about 30 to go or 28 minutes to go. Tom Trevojevic, they come up with one try. Uh, they looked a bit lost. I didn't think their go forward was there. They're not being as ruthless with their defence and their effort and their intent. Uh, said before the season, like for the first time, I think usually they're year on, year off, that I didn't think they'd head that way. But uh, watching the last few weeks and the way they've played and they're kind of just going through the motions, said it the way they beat Melbourne, that everyone was overreacting. Well, I tell you what, all the journalists and a lot of people are pretty quiet now. Yeah. Because after I'm, one game... I'm uh, neither here nor there on camera at the moment. I'm really just waiting. I'm just going to keep watching them. Something isn't right, but I'm just I'm not sure what it is. I think maybe they're really struggling at the moment. I think to play from behind. You know when they when they're putting scenarios where they have to play from behind, I think they really struggle to adapt. Like I didn't think they were great against the Tigers. No, they weren't. <clears throat> uh, no but they win. won. Like it was sort of smothered up what happened on the weekend. But I just couldn't believe, uh, and I said at the time, I couldn't believe that. Insanity one game into new rules when they beat Melbourne that oh this is your favourite yeah, this is your premiership I was like wow, I remember like, saying that calm down. I, I said that to a few people Hodgson's who were... the best player in the comp he hasn't played a good yeah. game since and I take the biggest part of that is I don't think their forward pack's going that great no well that, that's probably their biggest issue that that is their biggest issue at the moment so whether that's a uh, change in the game issue you know with the rule changes that's had that impact or whether it's just they're not playing well. Uh, or whether they need to adapt and change a few things, I don't know. I, to me, I, I wouldn't be. I would be concerned if I was a Canberra fan, but I wouldn't be panicking. No, I wouldn't be panicking just yet. But no, just a couple. But of I, weeks I would later. be concerned because I, I I don't like what I see there at the moment. But I've just got faith that they'll turn it around. Um, I wasn't as bullish as you know on Canberra as I was last year. Like I was really keen on Canberra last year uh, to win it. Like to, I thought they could beat the Roosters, and mm. you know they went within a try of doing so in the grand final, but. You know, watching the Roosters and watching Canberra now, 
yeah, I couldn't have enough money on on the, on the roosters the way they're going. Yeah. Uh, but again, that's just that. That's only my opinion, uh, for what it's worth. But um, I don't. There, I, I I didn't like a few moves that that Canberra made in the off season. So Curtis Scott, I wasn't big on. A lot no. of people were wondering why Melbourne let him go. Well, he got tasered. George Williams, I've seen play. You know, I watch a lot of Super League. Uh, and I, I just have concerns over him when, once the Australian side's working out, and it looks like they they're starting to to have done so, that he's going to struggle. They've also got problems. Um, the with the that other edge. issue with with Williams is, and my you know in my own head, and when I was sort of adjudicating and judging on where Campbell would finish, was the fact that he's going to be paired with Whiten, who's not yeah. your typical half, and neither's Williams. Williams has often been paired with Williams has played his best footy when he's been paired with someone like uh, Blake Green. Yeah, he played really, team, really good footy kick, with Blake Green because picks his Green just kicked, you know, plotted, pushed the side around and just allowed Williams to sit on that edge and run and, you know, be a bit of a free spirit. So that's probably the... They, they really need to work out how how they can unlock Williams and Whiten without a controlling half. So it really needs... It comes back to Hodgson. Well, I said as much in this preseason that my worry, no different to last year, was from one... Six, and also seven, probably and nine, just but... like you said before, is their forward pack. If their forward pack's just ripping through you, it, it takes away that need to for your halves to be, you know, super creative, doesn't it? Because yeah. you can just blow through the holes that that forward pack's generating, but they're just need, not at the moment. You still need help. And said at the start of the season, from what I'd seen of Williams, I thought he was a runner also, but mm-hmm. Whiten's definitely a runner. I think Williams is a good player. Williams is a good player, but they can't rely purely on Hodgson for the majority of the creativity. And Chance is still ripping through a hell of a lot of work. I think he ran for 250 plus again on the weekend, but he's not creative also. So you're still putting a lot of pressure back on one person, Hodgson, who can't be unlocked unless the forward pack does a job. Yeah. And it's no different to those two halves. They can't run and be creative and attack the edges and get early ball if they're not winning the middle. I think Papali's still doing a fairly reasonable job, but he needs a little bit more help. Yeah. Are they missing Bateman? Uh, probably after watching the last two games, they're missing someone who's a little bit more aggressive, brings a little bit of spark. But at the same time, when they beat Melbourne without Bateman and that forward pack and a couple of guys stood up and played well, I thought, okay, they're not looking too bad. But I still didn't buy into the hype as of after one game with rule changes like some people did, but they've definitely got some things to address. No yeah, doubt yeah. about it. Their right edge also, you talk about Williams and Scott. Defensively, that's been picked on the last few weeks yeah. and it's been exposed. Uh, there might be a change there, particularly with Curtis Scott. I think he'd have some pressure on him as well, but see what happens with the Raiders in the next few weeks. Tackle four, uh, moving to the other side of it, you just mentioned it. I think the Roosters... We've already seen in those first few games, they beat up on a couple of poor sides, but they did it in an exceptional and an astonishing fashion. But they played what many people considered the second best side or the next team up to threaten them in the Eels on the weekend. And in all honesty, uh, I thought the Eels were good, but I still think right now it's the Roosters, NASA, rocket ships and space between them and then second. Um, You know, Parra were good. They threw some at them, but... For the Roosters to have like Tupo under duress early, Jake Friend, I thought, copped a head knock and probably needed to go off, but didn't end up going off. He battled through. They lose Tedesco in the last 20 after conceding that try, and you got Parramatta celebrate like they've won the game with 20 to go, and the Roosters just march upfield. Kiri cuts him open, sets up a try. They roll upfield, get a couple of penalties because Parra is starting to lose their discipline in their heads a little bit, and then they ice it with another try at the back end of the game. Yeah. Like, I honestly just look at that and... Heard a couple of the journos in the weekend saying, oh, they're peaking early, they're playing a bit. They're not peaking early. You know what they're going to do? I'll tell you what they're going to do. 
They're not going to run through and try and be undefeated, you goobers, like they're talking about and smash everyone. Top they're, four. they're going to pick games like this week against the Dragons where if Tedesco's concussion's bad, they don't have to play Tedesco. I wouldn't be playing him full I just rest Tedesco, honestly. You bring, what are you going to do? Oh, what do we do? We brought Morris there who played at fullback and we won by 59 the other way against the Broncos and you put possibly the best international English winger on the wing for a week in Ryan Hall who made 200 plus metres in his last game. If you need to rest Cordner, you can put Nat Butcher, Satili Tupanurian. If you need to rest Friend, you can play Sam Verrills. If you need to rest Jared Rhea Hargraves or Tokiaho, you put Lindsay Collins in for a game. Like They've got options there. They're going to yeah. work their way through the season, whether they win a ton of games or not. They're going to be top four, regardless of what anyone thinks. But they're not going to peak. They're not going to burn out. They'll manage their roster. They'll pick their moments, and they're going to roll through. And unless they get injuries, they're the benchmark. Yeah, They are certainly the benchmark. The Eels... I think showed enough, but definitely, as we thought a little bit, yeah, I, they need more. Yeah, the they Roosters are uh, unbelievable. Well coached, calm, composed, confident. They're, yep. they're confident. They know their style. They stick to it. They understand what winning football looks like for them, and they execute it. Nine, like 90% completions, please. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, like look, that- teams, I think Penrith and Parramatta are the two sides at the moment that will look out and go, they can compete with them on their day. Yep. And outside of that, I don't think anyone right now, if the grand final was played this weekend, could get anywhere near them. I'd love to but see Newcastle play against it's, them. Um, we're I a still long think way out. Better. We're a long, long, long way out. So, yeah, I think the battle for Penrith and Parramatta is they're still trying to get themselves up into that elite tier mm. uh, where sort of Canberra got themselves last year and playing that good footy week in, week out. And, you know, the Eels are going to get another good test this weekend against the Raiders. Penrith really proved themselves on Friday night against the Storm. That was a real signature win for them. And I thought they were, you know, like we spoke about last week, very, very good against Parramatta as well. Uh, but the Roosters, yeah, it's it's not their competition to lose, but at the moment they're the standout team. Injuries and, and there'll be some issues that they'll come across uh, throughout the season. And these other teams are just going to try and progressively get better over the next 15 weeks and just close that gap. That's all. Yep. Uh, is all. the competition over? No, but they, they look a standout at the, at the yeah, moment. Right now, at the moment, you know, you could go back to remember the year when Souths were going for back to back, and they won like their first eight or nine in a row, and then they fell into a heap. Yeah. And at this time of the year, there was a market. The TAB had a market for them going undefeated. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, and you know, I don't even think they made the grand final that year, did they? That no, was I the, think they got knocked out first or second week. That was the Brisbane. Uh, Cowboys grand final. Yeah, the wheels fell memory. off. Uh, they got beat maybe first or second. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure they went out first week against Cronulla. Someone knocked them out, yeah. Uh, so it's a long year. And and this year, we, you know, with the fact that we've, we've got more of these five-day turnarounds and it's 15 straight weeks from here or 14 straight weeks from here until finals, it's just a little bit different. So yeah. it, And no doubt it'll take shape and there'll be things that'll, that'll ebb and flow and... Uh, but at the moment, the, the Roosters are looking outstanding. Yeah. Big win on the weekend. Uh, and, yeah, I have no doubt, like I said, they're not going to try and win their whole way through and bust their players. They, no. they're and they've been the biggest beneficiary of this break. Yeah, and I said a lot before, take Origin out. They don't have to adjust to that period, which they did fine last year and the year before yeah. as well. So they've got some advantages on the way things have fallen. Yeah, it's working out uh, great for them. Yep. Tackle five, uh, a bit of a reshuffle this week and a few things. There was some good news. There was some... Not so good news in the sense of the COVID bubble because of the way things have been handled, particularly in Sydney, was going to be lifted and some of the players were going to be able to have parents and some people come to their houses, but it had to be at their house. It has to be NRL approved. 
Yeah. Uh, one little slip up already. Bradman Best visited his parents at their house. It would have been right the other way, but I think he had to seek permission. But he notified the club straight away that he'd stuffed up and gone to their house. So he's going to be out this weekend. Yeah. Uh, no biggie. He's going to be tested, etc. But I don't think we're going to have an AFL situation, which is part of the other bit I was going to say was a setback that Melbourne were looking like they were going to be able to have their home game and possibly have a crowd. But with the spikes in Melbourne and what's happened and now the AFL kind of thing, uh, is it really up. a spike? Like, well, we only had three hundred something active cases, and we've had about a hundred plus pop up, I think, over the last week in Melbourne. So, yeah. as a bit of a reaction, I think their premiers tighten up restrictions a little bit again. But Melbourne have been moved up to Sydney this week, and potentially the next few weeks they're going to have to be in Sydney and play their games up here as well. Mm. So for them, you know, I think it might be a bit of an overreaction, but yeah, we'll see. Mm. But for everyone else, there'll be crowds slowly coming back, like we talked about last week. That's a positive. Some of the players getting let out of that bubble, that's a good thing. Um, but again, I'll probably preface that by saying I'd rather them overreact than underreact. Yeah, 100%, and that's what they're doing. And um, I think the last bit is a reshuffle. There's been some people not happy with Campbelltown on the weekend, in particular Manly, complaining that they reckon two of those injuries mm. occurred because of the quality of the ground. So oh, That's a pile of shit. I, I looked at it the week before uh, at the Tigers... Raiders game and thought, yeah, it looks chopped, but to blame it, blame injuries. I was going to say, they play on Brookvale. Brookvale's like, a shithole. What, um, what injuries are they blaming? The Walker and the Chaboyevich injury? Chaboyevich injury was a non contact hamstring got injury. a bloody history of injuries. Yeah, and chronic that's, injury. And that's generally a fatigue and injury. And the, the Walker injury was due to it being caught under a tackle. Oh, I don't think Walker. Brad Parker, they're saying, slipped that because of the ground. I think he just shit himself okay. because Soliola was coming and absolutely murder him. It's yeah. not, not good, but. Again, they play on a cow paddock in Brookvale. So you and you'd also ask we, we, what sort of studs we're wearing. Yeah, well, again, look at the ground they play on there. Yeah. Brookvale's not exactly the best ground. No, it's has, not. Has Campbelltown been the heaviest one being used? 100% it has, but they've solved that situation. They had a plan B ground to start with, which is Cogra, and yeah. a few games will be put there this weekend. And as a round Give eight... Give Campbelltown a break. Yeah, as a round eight was the goal that everyone would be back playing their cool. own stadium. So hopefully the week after, we're going to be back in our own grounds. Canberra won't have to travel up. Melbourne might be the only one along with the Warriors that are slightly inconvenienced for the time being, but everyone else should be back playing at their own grounds. Yeah, so. I don't think it'll be too far until the Warriors are going home either, which yeah. would be great for them. Yeah, 100%. Hopefully something comes up with their government and uh, they can get them back there. But yeah, some, some good news with some COVID restrictions being lifted, but hopefully this Melbourne situation is just temporary. They control things in the storm, can uh, get themselves back down there. For the AFL, I think they said today that the guy that tested positive is now tested negative. So oh, yeah. it's a very confusing situation, but I think he, I didn't really read it because I don't really care, but I think they said that originally they were confused how he got it, but apparently he broke some rules of the bubble that he was supposed to be in. So he put everyone at risk, and we talked about it before. You don't want to be that guy that potentially ruins it for everybody else, but he might have dodged a bullet. Oh, Connor, I think his name was. So Yeah, I don't follow it. Interesting to see what happens, but tackle six, and the last one, power rankings, they're back. You put some stuff up in that new group discussion page that you've made for the fifth and last. We are so back. For everybody out there, if you haven't found that, Brock posts on the page. We'll have to post it up again for people to get in. But there's a fifth and last discussion page for the listeners and fans of the show to interact fans. with one another and bring up some of your thoughts that you think and sometimes you send to us to put out uh, for the people that listen to the show and you can talk amongst yourselves and we've been on there as well. Some people sent me a beautiful Colonel Sanders KFC tracksuit yeah. last week, <laughs> which I've seen before and I'd, I'd proudly rock that. People also got a kick out of the comment about me taking the hot, the hottest piece of chicken from the top of the bucket. That was funny. That's a good time. Um, but power rankings, Brock, they're back. Like we said, do the smart thing. At least give it six weeks or so. So let's get in a minute. Brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. 
for your power. Tackle your rising power bills head on this season with the help of Solar Energy. The team at Penrith Solar are passionate about helping Western Sydney sin bidding rising electricity bills for good. Find out how Penrith Solar Centre can make you and your family the real big winners this season with quality solar solutions for your home. Visit www.penrithsolar.com.au for more or call 1800 20 2930. If you're uh, on our Facebook page, get on that Local Business Awards as well and give them a vote. They won it last year. No doubt they have the ability to take out again this year and again. If you're looking for solar, look no further than Penrith Solar Centre. Number one, who have you got, Brock? I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Roosters. Same one. I've got the Chooks. I don't think a lot of explanation is required for that one. None, brother. Who's your number two? I've got Eels. Yep. I'm happy to leave the Eels for now. They won the five games previous. Did they have an easier draw? Yep. But did I think they were more competitive for a longer period of time than most teams have been so far against the Roosters? Yep. And we'll get a true reflection again uh, as far as gauging them when they play the Raiders this week, who are considered a top eight side. So that'll kind of shape our thoughts there. Number three, who have you got? The Panthers. I have exactly the same. I think, again, the Newcastle game kind of bothered me that they didn't go on with it, but they knocked off Melbourne. Uh, They won their first two games. The Roosters, again, I I can't read much into it because it was a different set of rules, and I think they were a little bit underdone, but so far, so good. And I... The thing for me, having the Roosters at three, and I've said it before, no one has to agree with me. I still think they can be a better side with Burton. I really do. Yeah. Um, so whether that happens or not, or Lou I feels the pressure and steps up his game, I just think naturally within their squad, they've got improvement. So I like the Panthers. Yeah, I really me do. too. Uh, number four, who have you got? Storm. Storm? All right. Yeah. Well, for now, I've got Newcastle. I know they lost to Melbourne. Um, yeah. But I just like what I've seen from Newcastle. You know the biggest thing I really like? I love their forward pack. Yeah. I always said that Jacob... Well, I've got, I got the Knights at five, so... Yeah, Jacob You've probably was, got Storm at five. Yep, he yeah. was as good as Daniel. But Clemmer, him, those two together, Barnett still to come back, Fitzgibbon in the now. I think Matoudi has been pushed to play better. I think SES is playing good. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I still just think... I, I would um, argue Melbourne beat him last week. And yeah, Melbourne looked in that game to just still have that little edge over I Newcastle. And, think, but I think by the end of the year, Newcastle might have that over Melbourne potentially. I think the main reason is you just touch. I think they've got improvement still. Like Best has only just been introduced. I think the man Pierce combo is going to get better. They've got other options. They haven't fully figured out their back line yet, and their forward pack is going to get better. Mm. And Watson's still going to come back at some stage, hopefully. I I really like the way they're trending Newcastle. I think I've got that one wrong, but five, Melbourne. um, They've got some things to work out most definitely, and they need to be more consistent week to week. But I think they're going to be there. They could have easily won that game against Penrith. Yeah. Uh, who's you know, they could have easily they could have easily beat the Raiders in that the return game. They yeah. they were down by six forever, had a heap of ball, just couldn't score. So again, I, I expect Melbourne to improve. At six I've got Manly. Yep, I've got Manly as well. Um, um I think I was gonna put them lower and I could say that by prefacing now that those few injuries and the fact that Tom's missing, but last year they got through pretty well. Yeah. So he's definitely an important piece, but well, they show I'll, I'll drop Manly down when they give me a reason to. At the yeah. moment, they just keep winning and they keep uh, yeah, you know, I'm not going through the that. difficult periods, and Deshaus is doing a fantastic job there. Uh, they they just know who they are, mainly. They've got a style, and they they stick to it, and they're tough, and they're disciplined, and they are overachieving again, just like they did last year. Mm-hmm. Look, interested to see them play again, like on the weekend, and that situation, they just found a way. Yep. And again, this weekend, with you know, some they lost guys. two players straight away. They played with 15 for 70 minutes. Yep. And then they lost their fullback and got the job done. And they were missing Tapio and Suli, as we said, who are both big parts of their team. So uh, Raiders at seven for me, just under them. Yep. 
I'd like to see them obviously spark up a bit Need more. Need to see more. But, yeah, I think people yeah, brought well in pace. a little too much to one game back from those new rules. They've yeah, and I'm not going to buy in too much to this poor form either. No. Just wait and see. Number eight, Souths. Yeah, got Souths. They're there. The last two weeks, yeah, you beat the Warriors. Yeah, you beat the Titans. Mm. Um, this week, they get a real test. They're playing the Panthers. So once I've seen them this week and get a gauge on where they're at when we've got Panthers up in that top three. I think Penrith will give them a touch-up this week. I think it'll definitely be a tougher game. Outside of that, probably the only one close to that eight right now, you'd say, is the Tigers. But they've been win-loss. They lost to the Titans. They beat the Cowboys, who were quite poor. You know, it's hard to get much out of them. And outside of that, I go back to what I said the other week, and whether it sounds harsh or not, I think the eight won't change a whole lot. Honestly, I'm happy to say right now the Titans, the Dogs, the Warriors, the Dragons are definitely all gone, but I'd throw the Cowboys and the Sharks as well. Me too. I honestly think that that's I think we're down to 10. Tigers, if they can go win-loss, win-loss, might find themselves in that spot. Tigers, Broncos are the only two I look at and go... Brisbane have got a good run coming up, but they've got two more guys suspended and they're still having problems with injuries. If they got Fafita and a couple of guys back on the park and strung a couple together... Yeah. They might be able to drag themselves in I'll tell eight, you who's got a horror draw coming up, the Cowboys. Oh, oh they might not God. win for six or seven weeks. They haven't played a top eight side yet. Nope. And they've only beaten the Titans and I think the Dogs, and they'd lost to the Warriors and a few other teams that they probably should have beaten. They haven't them. played a top eight side. So they're in big Barney rubble. Unbelievable. Big Barney rubble. But there you go. Power rankings are back. You put up on the page about tiering them, premiership hopes, contenders. Yeah, I've just I've tiered them just to make it a little bit easier for people to, to do it. Uh, but, you know, if you want to throw through your top eight in in power rankings, do so. Week to week, we'll post those up in that discussion page Yeah, if again. you're not in the discussion group, jump in. It's sort of, I created it, I think, just after last week's show. Well, we'll post it back up so people can each jump week in, be yeah. reminded to jump on board. We'll approve you straight away, and if we don't, we'll get around to it. Don't worry about that. There you go, power rankings. First time for this year, brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Again, if you're looking for the best solar solutions, look no further, www. Penrosola.com.au, 1800-2029. Brock, game reviews from the weekend. Newcastle, Brisbane, uh, 27-6. I definitely don't think it was their best performance, but they grounded out. They got a great early try from an offload and a good set of hands where Mann put himself for that gap, and then not long after when the sin bin kicked in, he put a beautiful kick in there for them to skip ahead. Kind of thought they probably should have you know, did a little bit more with the ball they had and the opportunities and the dominance, but Brisbane got a bit lucky when Xavier Coates went coast to coast, yeah. 13 6 at half time. Uh, you're kind of thinking, all right, Brisbane have been under the pump the whole half. Hopefully they come out the second half and have a crack. But well, they had that try disallowed as well, the Corey Oates try for the driver, which was strange because when you watched it live, you thought, that looks like a try. Like, yeah, what are they checking? I think then, as soon as you put your hands on the opposition. No, no, no. I, I, it was a right call. Yeah, but when I'm it got sent you. up, I thought, geez, I didn't even notice it. No, neither. I was kind of like... Corey Oates had to do better there. He had to, he had to get down and ground yeah, that ball. 100%. He sort of dawdled in his upright. So I thought that that hurt him as well. I thought second half, though, it was the same old story. Errors, penalties. Yeah. They had a sin bin again, which didn't help. Daniel Safiti said it the other week. Like, last year I sat there and thought, well, he's lucky to probably play Origin, but he did a good job. But right now... He's playing Origin. Unbelievable. Him and Clamour as a pair. Even his brother's killing it now. Adam O'Brien's done a great job there to spark him up, and he's getting on board. But he was massive. Him, Clamour, again, talking about SESE, Jacob. That whole rotation, Pierce just directing things. Man's picking his moments, and obviously O'Brien's told him, like, you're not the utility. You're not playing these positions. You're either my six or you're not my team, but I believe in you. And he's playing great football. Yep. They're getting the benefits of that. McCulloch's slowly... 
feeling he's wild. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I honestly think if Braley was there, I'd, I'd have a whole different level of thought about their side. But McCulloch's definitely serviceable and he'll get better. Yeah. Um, and they're outside backs. They've got some good versatility and depth there. Like Best is out this week. But why he was injured, we saw Tuala, we seen Shibasaki. I think Heimel Hunt is finally playing really good football, living up to the potential that he had coming through the juniors. And Edric's a threat over there. So overall, um, second half, you know, they went on with the job. And for Brisbane, it's the same old story. And they need to sort out their errors. They need to sort out their discipline. And as far as the halves are concerned, again, a bit like Curtis Scott, people were saying, why did Melbourne let him go? Well, I think Brody Croft, I was very adamant last year. I wasn't a fan. I... I Brisbane, I just thought that from the sample size of Deirdre at 18 years old last year that he was the man. Yeah. And the fact he's not playing. I know needs, they need to give him a game. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable he can't get a game. Milford needs to go back to one. Back. Yeah. Uh, and Azarka, or drop him. Yeah. And Azarka needs to move to either the wing, the centers center, or wing. Yeah. Somewhere else. Shake it up a little. I'd flick Darius and put Azarka on the centers because one thing Azarka is doing at the back, he's carrying the ball. Yeah. Like even then, he wasn't. Sparkling, he's not been super creative, but the forward packs aren't exactly helping. The other night, he's still carried for close to 180. He at least brings the ball back. You can't put Darius there, but he's not dangerous. Like he doesn't nah. have a pass in him. He's not. He doesn't beat a lot of one on one. I think tackles. in the centres, you at least got someone who yeah, can get a one on one. He's yep. got footwork, and he's going to be tougher than Darius. Darius has had one good game the other week, but he's going through the motions as well. Mm. So between him and Milford. Milford, they're unfortunately stuck with. Again, that's another one of those contracts that was given. He's got an option. He's taken it. They can't get rid of it. Yeah. But Dearden needs to be in there. And Brody Croft said the same thing at Melbourne. He had an international edge. They're all saying he's little cronk. He's cronk. He's not cronk. He never was cronk. Yeah. He's not that player. He's a runner as well. Neither of them are organizers. So Dearden showed as an 18 year old last year, amazingly, in five games that he can steer a first grade soldier in. Yeah. I don't care if he hasn't played for 10 months. Something's off there. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Like, if he doesn't what, play this week. If they don't sort it out, he's got one year to go, but Melbourne and a few other teams are already sniffing around. And I tell you right now, if you told me as a Melbourne fan, the possibility of Smith retiring, Harry Grant coming home, Brandon Smith stay, like loving life from what he said not long ago and not caring where he played, and then potentially stealing Dearden to put with Munster... And, would, and I would be freaking out if yeah. we had Dearden. You're straight back into Munster, Premiership like, threat. That's that's a revamp With a long side. term. That's yeah. a revamp long term. So Brisbane need to sort that out. They mm. really do. Um, yeah, Newcastle, very well done. Again, Safidi, that pack, exceptional. Very, very good. South 40 to 12 over the Warriors. Up and down, as we said, it continues. They're 2 and 2. Kearney gone on the back of it. This one was done by half time. Um, Two early tries in the second half probably summed it up, especially the Cook one. That was ridiculously soft. But in the first half, they weren't having it all their own way, South. They were in a bit of an arm wrestle. There were some opportunities there for the Warriors. Um, but right at the back there when they had that sin bin and they conceded a try, that pretty much began the unravelling of their game. Yeah. And then they had a sin bin from Nicarima straight after that when they'd had a man in the bin being Cody Walker. 
They conceded to go into half at 22-6. The two soft tries early in the second half. The game was basically done. So, yeah. Um, I I struggled to watch this game. The Warriors were just not there. They were soft. They let in a lot of soft tries. Their execution was poor. It's, uh, and South, I just felt similar to what, how I did the week before against the Titans, that they were yeah. just 17, 18 sort errors, of playing with their food you know, a little. Uh, but they're, they're working through some stuff. The good but, thing is for South, like it's a confidence builder. Yeah. Because they and started with those two losses to resume the year. You know, they ran into the Roosters. Um, and then who'd they run into the week after that? Melbourne. Mm. Got beaten a tough one against Melbourne. Uh, to, you know, to have those two kills is good. Uh, but now, you know, they're going to run into test. Penrith. Yeah. So I think the best you know, thing... I, to me, I don't think they're anywhere near Penrith at the moment. No. And I think the best thing for them, again, for just getting Cody Walker back in the cycle, I said it last week, I think he's the most important player in that spot. Absolutely. Yep. He unlocks everybody. He will get better every week. He freed Reynolds up to kick and pick his moments and just control the side. He frees Cook up. He plays with that width. He immediately puts pressure on the edges and gets one-on-ones, and he's created space for Latrell to be very, very good the last two weeks. And again, I know a lot of people are wrapping him up, and I'm not saying he hasn't played well, but this is a real test this week. This is where we want to see Latrell play good football yeah. against a good side. He's been great the last two weeks, but this is one of those games you want to see. Yeah, um, Murray going back to the middle again, also just a natural thing that should have happened earlier. He makes Cook better. He gets yeah, good play Yeah, we've waxed the cool about yeah, that. that. That was the right move. Uh, Campbell Graham again thought he was great. This Tom Burgess had a big game, but for the Warriors, it's the same old plays. RTS does his job every week. I think Harris, now that he's healthy, he's been outstanding as well. Yeah. Um, Forty-two missed tackles and a very poor effort overall. Not great. Diabolical. Not great at Move all. Move on. Storm Panthers twenty-one fourteen. Uh, all honesty, great win by the Panthers. I think their pack stood up and sort of got stuck into Melbourne, so I thought they were more dominant. Coruscant dictated oh. terms. He he carved up that middle part of the field, got him on the front foot, and and Nath again continues to show again when people were saying about him and Maloney not working and Maloney going and Nathan not being capable. This is Nathan's side. Nathan controlled things. Nathan kicked very very well. He turned Melbourne around. They got stuck into him. Uh, I think the big thing for me and I thought at the time I kind of felt that Melbourne was struggling to get out of yardage and that they were kind of doing a Melbourne to Melbourne for a period there. Mm. And then I looked at the set distances for the game. Panthers were averaging almost 50 metres a set. Melbourne were only averaging 36. Yeah, I, I felt the whole game that Penrith just needed to have the confidence to go on with yeah, it to and beat Melbourne. And I just felt like Melbourne were just not quite where they needed to be. No. Nah. Uh, and I, just, I felt like that the whole whole game, even when Munster threw that beautiful pass for it. The try was it Lee Brenko Lee scored that try. Yeah, it threw and it two went calls. to Brenko. It was 14-12 or something like that, and it looked like Melbourne were coming. But Penrith, then if they got rattled, they might have lost that game. But they didn't. You know, they, they well. That, to be fair, they did a little bit at the end of the game there, where they had all that ball and they couldn't ice the game. Like, I think they had three or four sets there where they could have taken a field goal, didn't. And then they got one more opportunity and Cleary nailed it, which was vitally important. Uh, but I think Penrith are going to take a lot of confidence out of that. They've struggled to beat Melbourne. They've struggled to compete with Melbourne for a long period of time now. Uh, it'll be a huge confidence boost for a lot of those young Penrith players. I think the big thing is to see them back it up and be ruthless again this weekend and not read their own height. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the pack again. They backed it up. Look, I mean, they were, they were really good the week before that as well against Parramatta. So yeah, the teams that they've run into... Um, you know, they've got some good wins and good results on the board. Yep. And again, the elements are all coming together. Coruscant's running that middle. He's getting the forwards out of the advantage line. The pack as a whole is doing a good job. They've got a good rotation. Leota and Tedabano come on. Did a good, solid job in their oh. stint. Tamau 
Kikau, again, a lot of people wrapped up Kikau. I don't think Kikau had his best game the other night, to be honest. Yeah, he's pretty quiet. Like, he caught that ball. That's all well and good. But that was more a smart kick by Clear. I know a lot of people were writing, why are they waxing lyrical about that kick? Well, that's what I call a dead space kick. He didn't mm-hmm. put it to a winger or a centre to compete. He put it in that awkward corridor in between the fullback and a winger where you've got a back row or a little half. And you have a monster like Kikau run through who's going to win any kind of contest like that. Yeah. Uh, pretty poor effort by Melbourne in general because they had a couple of guys in the vicinity. But... Those dead space kicks, you just need to be switched on. And he's kind of caught out Pappenhausen and he caught out the right wing on the night, which, uh, from memory, that's Sully's wing. Mm. So, you know, they got the job done. Big scalp. Uh, Toto Sauce did a pretty good job in yardage for the Storm. I think, again, everything good that happens has been Cameron Munster. Munster's been outstanding since yeah. the resumption. Some of those uh, passes through, unbelievable. I'll tell you what, Marion Sabo, he had a shocker. Absolute shocker. They picked on him with a kicking game. Um, just looked a bit sluggish in yardage. I, I, like, I knew Addo Carr was going to be out. I was quite happy when they named Momorovsky, but when he pulled out before kickoff and I saw Sevo was there, I thought they'd test him, and they certainly did that. So um, the pack also, for me, for what it is, it's lacking a bit of dominance. Yeah, They need to stand up and put a stamp on the game this week. I think your Finucans and these guys grind away and do their job every week, but Jesse's been solid. Nelson's still been a bit hit and miss. Tino's had a couple of okay games, but those three big boys, they need to rip and tear. They need to really just rip in for Melbourne. Yeah. And make a difference. Dragons, Titans. Uh, 20 to 8. Honestly. A stinker. Low game. A stinker. Dragons win, but it's still not that impressive. Like They, they led 14 to at half time, and the only try in the second half came very early. But after that, they almost shut up shop. Yes. It looked like they weren't interested to go on with it. And the poor old Titans lost a couple of players, ended up with one left on the bench. But, you know, they, they were trying hard, but it, again. Oh, they, but they, like. Ash Taylor kicks the ball dead fucking four times yeah. in the first 20 minutes. Gives them, just piggybacks the Dragons down there. Mm. We take a penalty goal at the start of the game to go ahead 2-0. Like, congratulations. Yeah. Like, they've got to get a little bit of... They're, they're good ball attack, the Gold Coast. They had enough ball to win this game. They had enough opportunity to win this game. Their good ball attack is diabolical. It's terrible. Well, you know, I thought they looked better when Boyd went to the halves yeah, back into the game. And, and look, it was... I, I would take. I actually think less of the Dragons after watching that game. Yeah, I was disappointed that again with the injuries. I have concerns for them coming up against oh. the Roosters this week. And I think the Roosters again could easily rest a couple if they wanted to mm. with these injury concerns. And but still I mean, if the Roosters the come out with their A game and they're oh. aggressive, I have fears for St George. Big trouble, huge trouble. Just yeah, I, again, one week after hunt. Yeah, the, the Titans are beaten um, two bottom four teams. Sorry, the Dragons are beaten two bottom four teams. In the last two weeks. Well, we said out of those four wins they had in their last 22 or so games, I think two of them were against the Titans. Titans now yeah. you can say that's three of their last five or six wins are against the Titans in 24, yeah. 25 games. So that's all well and good, but it's not going to be good enough, like you said, for the Chooks. Well, and it's good enough to avoid a spoon. Their run coming up all it's good for. is also not great. They've got Para, Roosters, Storm, Raiders, and somebody else from memory. So their, their next four or five are quite difficult as well. Yeah, so, enjoy you know, they've lost James Graham. It's been confirmed. He's moving on. Been an absolute stalwart. It was great at the Bulldogs. I've been a little bit critical this last year or two. A lot of people listening would know, but I think it's the right time, regardless um, of whether he wants to go on or they've been defending in the last few weeks and a lot of people have been championing him. I get that, but it's blatantly obvious. His legs are gone. He's not quite the player he was. He's better off doing what he's doing and going back to St. Helens and finishing off where he started. It's also a nice salary cap relief for the Dragons. 100%. They need that cash. Um, and this week, a couple of I can't of believe that they were the Dragons sort of saying, yeah, we want someone in return. 
Oh, I'm sitting there going, I don't know who you think you're going to get. Uh, uh, so to like, let him go. Like, um, just let him go. Like, we're going to wait. Because he's wait. not playing up to his salary. Nah, Simple just, as that. And again, they've had a real hold on getting players in. Like, just put someone else in. Jackson Ford's getting an opportunity. And Saab, who's been one of the guys we said that's been kicking up a stink behind the scenes, he gets his chance to show uh, his worth this week. And he, he needs to prove it against a really good side in the Roosters. He's going to have his hands full because Jordan Prayer has been suspended. So, yeah. Very interesting to see this week. They're going to hammer Clune, I have no doubt, and Norman on those edges. They're going to pick on that middle when that bench rotation comes in. Uh, if they're asleep, the Roosters can gash you on every part of the field. So, huge test come this week. Don't take much out of that game. Titans, what do you say? I, I don't know what you could really do. Losing those players definitely didn't help. Tonema Pay is down. He might be out for a bit. Semi went off with a cork, I think it was. Corey Thompson getting KO'd early in the game. That didn't help. If he's good to go this week and they get a couple of guys back, fingers crossed, uh, you know, they can give a good account of themselves against the Brisbane Broncos. And the last few times they've actually given Broncos a bit of trouble. Yeah. So hopefully they spark up for that one. But uh, I'd like to see Boyd get a run in half. That's what he is. He was an Australian school by half. They brought him there for that. Been playing off the bench and been playing at nine. I think Foggy's been doing a good job, but... You know, if, if they want to use him as the 14 or they want to move Taylor somewhere else, I don't know. If they want to put Fogarty, go, I don't know. I just think. Well, for the Dragons, I think the Jack DeBellin situation is going to come a lot clearer yeah, this well, week. He was in court yesterday. There's the not a lot of news around today. Trial is going to go and it's going to be heard through the week, arguments from both sides. Well, pre-trial to decide whether it actually goes to trial. So, yeah. And it can get thrown out. And if it is, he's good to go. And there's already been reports that two clubs are interested. Yeah that the Warriors are definitely interested and they're talking about the Tigers looking to acquire. I would have thought, and again, I don't want to go into depth on the situation, but the Dragons are stuck by him. You'd like to think that if he gets cleared and they've had him there and kept him training yeah, and kept him stay. busy, that he'd stay. Like, yeah, particularly not, now Graham's gone. They haven't exactly put him out to pasture or isolated him or pushed him away. They've done what a lot of people said they shouldn't have done and kept him there and kept him busy and preoccupied. So. Yeah, but to be fair, he's not, he's not proven guilty yet. No, he's not. If he's proven guilty, then he you know, deserves to lose his contract and yeah. be out of the game. But until that happens, yeah. you know, he deserves every every dollar he's he's entitled to earn. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. While he's presumed innocent. Tough test. Tigers Cowboys, uh, again, I didn't think this was a great game, 34-20. The first half was diabolical. They were down 34-0. They honestly... We just had... Uh, I just had the mini on then watching... It just... We're in my, my uh, theatre room here watching the mini, but oh, Justin O'Neill let the first two tries in. Well, it was summed up on the, at the Gavin, start of the game. Look, Gavin Cooper, I did say I wasn't going to mention names, but... He's terrible. Gavin Cooper. He's done. We said Unbelievable some ago. of the missed tackles. Um, and there, there were a couple of tries there where just dummy half passes, crash overs. Well, similar deal again, though. When the legs are making gone. Tries on your, uh, making tackles on your trial line. You can't do it. Yeah. Overall, though, they're... Horrendous. They're... Like Cole Felt as well... Was poor, let a ball bounce, conceded a try. Yeah, just some of these guys who have been around for a, a long period of time, who have been stalwarts for the club and, you know, were there for the premiership victory, have now probably taken the piss a little. Well, the one that really summed it up, like the alloy untouched one from Grant was terrible, but the one that bounced off Cheekham's foot and turned into a try, like, when you look at that, you're just like, wow, this is not going to be a good night. 34 mm-hmm. zip. They just got gashed all over the yeah, field. Yeah, and then second half, the game just went to shit. Yeah, well, the Tigers did exactly what Maguire blew up about the other week, where they just switch off or they don't stick in a game for 80 minutes. Yeah. And Scott Drinkwater... I don't get got, it. Like, uh, uh, you know, as a head coach, you sort of... 
you can see why players are like, well, we're up 34 nil. Well, Naturally, we're not going to play as hard as what we are. Yeah. And, you know, that's not an excuse. No, nah, but that's the difference between finals teams. That's and... the difference between, I think, premiership winning teams and finals yeah. teams. The Roosters gashed Brisbane by 59 zip. They didn't look bored. No. But the Tigers, again, 12 zip up against the Titans yeah, looking but, good but after that's, 10 minutes. That's not, switch off. That, you don't flick a switch and become that team. No, you don't. So it's it's games like this where you get into the sheds and then that's that's where your learning takes place. Not in the 34 nil. No. You know, it's brilliant we got 34 nil boys, but Do we go on from there, we didn't really go on with it. No. And that's the that's the areas where the Tigers really need to improve. On top of that, again, in case with a shortened season it comes down to it, for and against, you've blown a great opportunity yeah. if there's a deadlock there when you're up 34 zip to go on and bank some points. Yeah. You let them reel it back in. The only penalty, a point they got in the second half was a penalty goal. So, yeah. you know, situations like that are underrated in a shortened season, but... Harry Grant had an absolute blinder. Brooks benefited off the back of him rolling downfield and his creativity. Reynolds again bringing a spark, and it looks like Benji's not going to be able to find his way back in. The second half, again, both of them not happy. Paul Green would have been pissed with the first half. Maguire would have been pissed with the second half. Mm. But for the, the Cowboys, it was summed up when Tamalolo dropped the ball basically off the first run of the yeah, game. Yeah, it was. That yeah. was like, wow, you're, you're in for a long night. Mm. And it turned out to be that way. But for the Tigers... Uh, they've lost a couple of players, so they've got a bit of a reshuffle that's going to have to happen this week. For Green, similar deal. Um, I don't know where they go from here. He absolutely sprayed them at halftime. You could say they sort of got a response, but that run, like you said, they're Fake coming run. up. They're in big trouble if they keep playing like that. They're going to get their ass handed to them a few times if that's the standard going forward. And Correct. Again, you can't rely on Tumalol every week. Holmes possibly missing. McLean possibly missing again. There's still some good players there. People need to step up. Yep. Otherwise, they're going to get absolutely flogged. Roosters 24-10 against the Eels. Great game. Uh, the first half, I thought Roosters, again, multiple shots, plenty of possession, both edges, getting up the guts, kicking game, etc. Very impressed by Parramatta to hold on. I thought the Roosters definitely threw a fair bit at them. Yeah. Wasn't all perfect, but, you know, they did a good job. That long pass that Tedesco ended up throwing when they were starting to jam in that bounces for Morris, I had no problem with it. A few people... Called it forward. It wasn't forward. It bounced forward. It would come backwards as the pass itself. They got a penalty goal to take it out to eight. And I think the Eels at the back end started to get some possession and some opportunities, but they were gassed because yeah. the Roosters just took it out of them. And I think the big thing I took out of the first half, the three or four times when the Roosters were applying that pressure, Paramount had just hurt themselves. They made two players, uh, two errors on play one, two. Uh, and they had two one-on-one strips on play one in their own half. So there's four sets there in good ball they gave to the Roosters just from not being game aware. The Roosters yeah. were switched onto that situation, aggressive defensively, forcing those errors earlier in two strips. Like, that stuff's critical. I thought they did well to only be down eight zip, but second half, Jennings uh, early, gets outside Manu, took him to school, honestly, the whole game. They had dominant possession themselves. They flipped things around. Again, Manu, get the ball to Sivo, and that collision with Tedesco was absolute insanity. The fact he put himself in front, so courageous, but him gone, 20 to go. you got Tupo playing busted. They've been on the back end of all the possession. I'm thinking, this is Paramount's chance here. But as champion sides do in the last 20 minutes, even under duress, the Roosters just flicked the switch. They gashed down that edge where Kiri just turned Moses, I think away, it was, yeah. inside out and put Cordner through. Then the Eels lost their way of discipline, gave away some stupid penalties. They knocked over a couple of goals, and right at the back end of the game, they found another try to ice things. And yeah. just another example of why they are the team that they are. They can lose the, the best player in the world. 
they can go through a glut there where they suffer on their own line and have to defend and back up and find energy. But when it mattered, they they just closed it out and they closed it out emphatically. Yeah. So it's a good lesson for Parramatta. Uh, definitely to be better defensively, I guess, for the whole 80 minutes. A bit, little bit more respect for the football and when you get your opportunities. And I think, you know, just a couple of guys still need to get themselves up to that level because the Roosters across the park and what they get from their bench and just their team in general, they have that mentality. They've won the last two premierships for a reason and they're breeding those guys that we're talking about within their squad by rotating players and getting those guys there and every day at training, steel sharp and steel. And I love the rotation, the interchange plan that he's come up with now. Robinson rolled the first 30 minutes without a change. Yeah, Tokiaho, JWH, etc. Those guys, Radley, play a real solid 30. And then he got impact late in the half with Tupanua, Nat Butcher, etc. Coming on and bringing footwork and a point of difference. And Liu, um, just such a versatile pack. They're multiple. They're well layered. They can do lots of things. Everyone's skillful. Everyone's got footwork. It's just a great football side. Too good. Really good. Too good. And if, you know, Parramatta had everything in their favour, home game. Yeah. A uh, longer turnaround. Roosters on a five-day turnaround. What about the Morris brothers? Morris brothers, unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. 90% completions from the Roosters. Ridiculous. Again, Parramatta, they'll go away. They'll learn. 60 minutes, they were right in it. Up to their ears, they led. Yeah. And, you know, just in that last 20 minutes, their discipline fell away. Roosters got the better of them. And, uh, you know, that was that. So that's the challenge for Parramatta. How can we become, and Brad Arthur said it post-game, as professional as the Roosters? Oh, Madison was huge. Uh, he had a really, really good game. Gutherson was busy on everything. I think Brown was good again, but his discipline's cost him. And again, when you've got a poor record, a lot of people are saying, oh, that shot wasn't that bad. It's not even so much that. It's when you've got repeat offenses. As soon as you have something come up against yeah. you, you get slapped. So I think they're fighting it this week because with his extras and his rap sheet, he's up for two weeks for that arm that got Radley. So do I think it's the worst shot I've seen? No. But when you've got a bad track record, this is what happens. Yeah. You need to keep your nose clean, so not a great situation for him. And, and Jennings obviously had a very, very good night up against Joseph Martin, who I was quite disappointed with, to be honest. I have not seen him have a performance that bad. He got taken to school, I thought. Mm. Jennings been very good recently. Jake Friend, he's 250th. What a warrior. Some of the things he's had to overcome with the injuries, he's been outstanding to start this year. I know a lot of people are saying that Harry Grant's the smoky for Queensland. I think you'd be nuts to fry the kid that way. I think Friend deserves that jersey and to be the guy that gets that opportunity if he plays this way for the whole year. Yeah. Maybe Grant becomes the bench utility over Ben Hunt because his form certainly doesn't warrant being picked there. But right now, of all the people that deserve a crack, I think Jake Friend, if he's healthy and playing the way he is, is going to be the Queensland number nine. Yeah, hard to argue. Sharks, dogs. Oh, sorry, oh. I've got that in the wrong order. Manly, Canberra was the first game. Uh, as we said before, no Suley, no Tapau coming to the game. Brad Parker slips over Caves himself in the first few minutes. Dylan Walker... That awful leg, knee, twist, ankle. I think it's going to end up being syndesmosis probably six weeks or so. Uh, they're two down straight away early in the game. And you're kind of sitting there just like, wow, they're in trouble. Croker comes on, gets his head busted early on. You're thinking, is he going to have to go for HIA? Like they're just dropping like flies. But somehow they find themselves up 12 nil at half time. Mm. They're persistent. Everyone that comes in buys in. They do their job. They were aggressive. Adam Fanua Blake led from the front again. Chair Evans stealing the ship, searing him back, I think, again, uh, has massively improved under this regime in particular. Is now still, in my opinion, very underrated, but he was good. Uh, Elliot come in, looked good in the set. Like, everyone that comes in just seems to do a good job for me. They get the most out of that squad like we saw last year, and 
they found themselves up 12 zip at half timing and I'm sure Ricky Stewart would have been very disappointed in Second half, they lose Tom Travojevic, non-contact with that hamstring. They kick the penalty goal. Yeah, and... went into Pong mode. Just keep blocking yeah. you away, blocking you away, blocking you away. Frustrating Canberra. And Canberra just couldn't come up with the points. And they look no. rattled trying to come from behind. And I think, again, just those key players not really been able to do anything because they didn't have a great platform. Mm. Well, Manly is always very aggressive, but... The only guy who busted them open a couple of times was Whitehead, who I thought was their best of their forwards. He was good. Papali offloaded a few times, but otherwise was fairly well contained. I think the rest of the forwards, there was no one else over 100 metres. Their outside yeah. backs tried very hard in yardage to bounce and create offloads and space and that. And a few times they got a little bit of a roll on, but Manly just scrambled, contained them, and uh, basically you didn't see a whole lot of Hodgson. George Williams couldn't inject himself in the game, and Jack, as he does, stuck to his running game. But at times, you need a little bit more, and... They just did not have the go for it. They did not have the platform and they didn't have the answer. Yeah. And their right edge, as you spoke about, got exposed again. Curtis Scott constantly either getting caught or being the, the, the reason for a try cause and people are getting at Williams as well because he's a bit smaller. They've got a little bit of an issue there and I think they're starting to hesitate a bit in that good ball we talked about a few years ago when they used to hold or slide or whatever. They just need to come forward, be positive, reset and try and cut down time and space. Because right now, you can see that hesitation. Yeah, particularly when you've got numbers. If yeah. it's man on, then get up and be confident. Right now, there's not a lot of confidence going to that right edge, and that, that needs to change real quick. But 60-40 possession to Manly, they completed at almost 90%, I think. 16 errors by Canberra compared to eight. The penalty count was 7-2. Discipline, ball control. They did nothing to help themselves, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, great win by Manly. Big adjustment coming up this week. I think they get tap out back, potentially sorely, but yeah. Good win. Canberra, got some uh, work to do, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that last game, Sharks-Dogs, 20-18. Oh, stinker. Yeah, not a great game. Effort as always from the Bulldogs, but just, just no dice. Can't score. And Cronulla, really lacking some punch. Woods, as we've always said, is a bit of a dawdler. For Fida, you can see that knee's not helping. And uh, they're not getting a whole lot else out of that forward pack, in all honesty. But uh, the right edge, they just kind of pulled them apart a few times. Katoa had a field day. They exposed them down there. It was a new combination. They put Avarillo with Crichton, and they had Kieran Foran, who's obviously not the greatest lateral mover after all these injuries, so they just kind of took advantage of those guys there. Yeah. Found themselves a couple of cheap tries, and, and again, to their credit, Elliot comes up that kick for Foran. Their forwards ramp up. They kick him to death, and they've strangled the Sharks at the back end, and you're thinking, if they keep going this way, they might get the win. Yeah. They were just teeing off on them in yardage and trapping the Sharkies, but... Uh, didn't come to fruition. They got that intercept try and you thought, here we go. They've got themselves an opportunity, but Chad Townsend puts that little dinking kick over the top and the Sharks find the last try they need to kind of get themselves home at 20 day day. Yeah, tough game to watch this one. Tough game to watch. But uh, the Bulldogs looked like they were coming to get them all night and there was a period there, I guess during the middle of the second half, where I really felt like the Doggies would get home, but just... Can't execute, can't put points on the ball. When they when they apply pressure and get field position, they just can't score. Nah. And again, I think Wakem brought more spark than Lewis did. Yeah, he was good. He was a little rash at times. He made a couple of poor decisions with kicks or passes. And Cronulla just did enough. They had enough class. Yeah. And the one thing that they don't struggle with really is to score points, Cronulla. Nah. Their, their biggest struggle at the moment is, again... He's getting down the field and getting into position to score points. And patches in games as well. One minute they're hot, red hot, like they were against the Tigers, and they score three tries, and then they switch off. Mm. They've really their halves are a lot more creative than the Bulldogs. Yeah, and they're spinal together. Blake Braley had a pretty good game as well. Moylan got absolutely pummeled 
by Dallin. What a shot. hit of the year. That was outstanding. And that shows you again. You want to be getting concussion. Didn't even he hit his head on the way down, but the whiplash, that's enough to make your brain rattle on your skull. That hurts. Oh yeah. Uh for the dogs, where to from here? Like there's not a lot you can do with a pack. I've said it a few times, but as far as the back line, the halves combination, I've said it before and I'll say it again, they probably won't do it now. Morgan Harper, I I'm surprised he's still not getting a run in the centres, but he's now signed with Manly for next year, so they're probably not going to give him that chance. I'm at the point where I'm just like, he needs to come in. Avrilo needs to go into the halves. Like, I, I know Wakeham's okay. They've tried Cogger. They've tried different things. Every time Avrilo touches the ball, something happens. And his genuine position is six. Yeah. With Foreman being able to steer the side, and you've already seen the good effect he's had, they've been a little bit more positive in attack the last few weeks. I'd reshuffle the whole back line. Hopwato's doing a good job at the back. Marshall King's solid at the nine position. You know what you're getting. If you're going to carry Wakeham, I'm happy to carry him as a spark plug at the 14 spot and be that utility but I want Avarillo with Foran. I'd bring Harper in even if they're going to move lose him. I don't care. I think he's good defensively, which is something they're struggling with at the moment with the combinations they've got. Crichton wouldn't be in my team, the winger. He's suspended this week. I'd have Nick Manny on that edge. And you put Remus and Dale on the other edge as a center winger. That that back line and that halves combination to me, for their best interest moving forward, it needs to change. Yeah, agreed. Sharks, well, I don't know where you really go from here. They don't have a lot of troops to call on. They just need to be better. Yeah. Like Johnson come up with a few passes. Townsend is his usual self. Seven out of ten, good, solid kicking job, but need more out of their forward pack. I even I think Wade was a little bit quiet the other night. Moylan still finding his way because he's constantly in and out injured. He might be out this week because of the concussion. You can't help that, but just some continuity and guys that we said again that just have problems with injuries and staying on the field. Absolutely. So, there you go. The review's done from the weekend. Power rankings back this week. Set of six done. Any other topics or bits and pieces you can think of, Boxhead? No, mate. I think we covered most of it. Oh, well. Tips and bets last week. Uh, you tipped five, I tipped six, and both the bets you recommended. Bang, bang. Tigers minus one and a half winner and Panthers at 280. Yep. My one failed. I said that Ponga would have a bit of a field day. He played very well and he racked up over 200, but unfortunately, no meat pie. I'll tell one. you what, I haven't, I haven't had many losses this year. I don't want to brag, but... I feel like I've, if I pick a game or I've got a feeling one way or the other, uh, I've generally been on the money. So, I, you know, you just get those years where you feel like you've got a... Yeah, you've got a good you feel got on a things. feel on things, yeah. It's this year, I, like this week, it's Penrith again. I think Penrith over South. Oh. Um, we'll get into our tips I like, I like Eels over Raiders as well. They're, they're the two games, like the big games, but I just feel really strongly about that, that both those teams are better than the... And, not better, but they're going a lot better than the, their opposition at this point in time. Later in the year, it might be different, but right now, I want to be on you know, the, those two. Well, we'll see the odds as we go along, and we'll figure out if we can find some more value for the punters. But the first game on the Thursday night is the Penrith Panthers up against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. For the Panthers, no changes for that 17 that won on the weekend. Looking at the extended squad, I can't see any changes for anyone coming in unless there's a change, injury during the week. For the Rabbitohs, absolutely devastating, and I hate seeing this. Tom Amone did his ACL. Um, in that game. Absolutely breaks my heart. Probably, again, from someone who's done both their knees. That, that look when he was just sitting there, I just instantly... You just know when someone's done something like that. They know. Um, he's gone the hard way too. He's come through the pathway. He's had to play cut. Massey got himself this opportunity. So to, to see people when they come off like that, it's just heartbreaking. But he's out. They've put James Roberts back on the bench. Do they make a change before the game kicks off? Do they make a change during the week? I don't know. But out of that back line... 
Latrell's definitely not going. Campbell Graham's not going anywhere. Braden Burns, Johnston, and Gagai are the three. To me, I don't see how you move on from Burns after the potential he's shown and him being there. Well, they've played... Traditionally, they've been playing Johnson as their bench utility OB. Yeah, so, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Roberts move in and maybe Johnson go. I think if he comes back, Burns would go back to the wing more than likely, or Campbell Graham would go back to the wing. Campbell Graham would go back to the wing. But it depends how they want to play. Uh, but if they're going to put him back on the right side, yeah, Gagai will have to flip over Campbell Graham to the wing on that right-hand side, and Burns and Gagai would be the left-hand side combination. But yeah. their only change is that one on the bench. Uh, good signs for the last two weeks, but... Still a lot more positivity with the Panthers, and I'm, I'm sticking with them. Pennies, get on. Both on the Panthers. What's the line? Three and a half? The odds on that one, $1.74, $2.10 for the Bunnies, minus two and a half. Oh. So there you go, if you like the odds on that one. Pennies even at $1.74 is pretty good multi-value, I think. Well, you pretty. might as well take three and a half. No team's going to win by three. Nah, good odds there. First Friday night game, the early one, the Melbourne Storm. Uh, that's now been relocated from Amy Park to Cogra, up against the Warriors on the Melbourne side of things. They've got Addo Carr back after last week. I'm pretty sure his wife gave birth. Jerome Hughes straight back into the starting side at halfback. So Riley Jacks, he's out of the side completely. So they're clearly yeah. not happy with that. Marion Seve uh, is out of the side, obviously, for that move with Addo Carr coming back in. And look at the extended squad. Jax is still there. Momorovsky's there again. Max King, Nico Hines. Um, this, to me, and I said it last week, Bromwich and Welch to start and then have that bench impact of Smith, Tino, and Nelson. The last few weeks, I know they've been starting Brandon. I just think he's the best spark plug we've got. I want him coming on with those two big guys. So hopefully we see it this week, and we need to see it this week because they've been up and down. But for the Warriors, Todd Payton's first game in charge. Lawton, Carl Lawton's in the nine after Wade Egan was suspended for that... Uh, suspicious hook in the eye or face of Latrell Mitchell. He got suspended. Yep, he got mm. contrary conduct. Jack Murchie starts for the injured Alessia Katoa in the second row. Ken Marmolo's back. He's on the wing. Jared Beal's out of the 17. Chanel Tavita Harris and Isaiah Papali'i return on the bench. Fussy Tour and Burr are both named despite failing HIA. So uh, things aren't exactly clear for the Warriors, but I think in this situation... It goes one of two ways when you fire a coach, but I think Melbourne need to respond. So yeah, regardless, Storm. stick with the devil you know. And the Melbourne Storm are that favourite, a heavy favourite. $1.17, $5 for the Warriors, minus 14.5 is the line. I'll probably take the 14.5. It's pretty generous. Melbourne haven't really racked up a lot of points, have they? No. But and mind again, you... You've changed the halfback. Melbourne yeah. have... Melbourne have um, they've played South and Penrith and competed with both, and both South and Penrith put 40 pass... The Warriors, so mm. yeah, probably. You I don't know what I Warriors you're going to get. Nah, though. I, I wouldn't be fucking around with that fourteen and a half. No, I'm not touching it. I'll stay away, but I wouldn't be back in Melbourne thirteen plus. No. If that makes sense. So. If you're going to back anything, it'd be something to do with Cameron Munster. Nothing. The way he's been playing, Just but I wouldn't away. even be touching that. But the late Friday game, we'll take the overs and the points. That's probably what I'd take. Yeah, okay, maybe Roosters Dragons Friday, Bank West Stadium for the Chookies. They still named Tedesco, but potentially out. Verrills and Lindsay Collins. Uh, replacing Satili Tupiner and Mitchell Orbison on the bench again, keeping that rotation going. In all honesty, if you're asking me what would happen, I think Brett Morris will go to the back. I reckon they just put Tedesco on ice for the week. Yeah. Bring Ryan Hall in if they were worried about Tupo's injury as well. They could still do a reshuffle there and potentially push Morris, Josh Morris to the win. Put Mitchell Orbison in, in the centres to cover that. 
Um, they've got options uh, on the Dragon side of things. Jason Saab replaces Pereira on the wing, who's been suspended. Blake Laurie is now starting at prop. Kerr goes back to the bench, and Jackson Ford replaces James Graham in the team now. This one doesn't need any argument. It's the Roosters. Correct. There need to be a significant improvement by the Dragons in all facets of their game. Attitude, intensity, speed, halves play, just all over the field if they're going to have any chance. The Roosters have to be playing in blindfolds. The way things are going, 100%. And we thought the Storm were heavy favourites. The Roosters even heavier. Dollar eleven, six fifty for the Dragons, minus 16.5 is the line in this one. That's... Uh, mm. I'll Fairly looking, hefty. I'm not sure what price the Roosters are to win by 30 or more, but... Again, I'd maybe wait until closer to see who they reshuffle, but yeah. even with a reshuffle, you know they're a very good side. Yeah. So you could still have some confidence. First game on Saturday, up there at North Queensland. They're up against the Newcastle Knights. This will be a tough game for them. The only change, Ruben Cotter replaces Corey Jensen on the interchange bench. For the Knights, Bradman Best, as we said earlier, he inadvertently breached those rules, so he's out this week. Uh, for them, Anari Tuala comes back in. Other than that, they're an unchanged side. So, Knights. again, the Knights have given me plenty of reasons to like them and want to tip them. The Cowboys haven't given me much reason. If they're anything like they were against the Tigers last week, the Knights will absolutely gash them. Yeah, They will get shredded. And again, I always like players against their old clubs, and they generally perform very, very well. I think Kalen Ponga, like a lot of people like to do, will want to prove a point again yeah. that they made a mistake. Uh, a couple of years ago when they didn't back him and they let him go to the Newcastle Knights. So could be big trouble for the Cowboys and the bookies. The odds on that one, $1.40 for Newcastle, $3 for the Cowboys, minus 7.5 is the line in that one. Brisbane, Titans, 5.30 game, Suncorp Stadium. Big changes again, forced as usual for the Broncos. What's new on a week-to-week basis? Tessie New starts at fullback. Jermaine Asako moves to the bench. Carrigan and Flegler both got suspended. So with that happening, they had big losses, especially Carrigan. Off Gowie now starts at lock. Jamil Hopawato, Reese Kennedy joined the bench, and Corey Pakes is now out with a pec injury. So it doesn't seem that they can go a week without heavy changes. Dearden's included in the 21, but interesting to see if he gets a look in or what happens there. Seems they're not going to go that way. Your Gold Coast Titans, Dale Copley's back. Young Tonema Pears out with a knee injury. Mitch Rain bumps Aaron Clark out of the hooker role. Sam Osono. Keegan Hipgrave both in to start with Jamin Jolie benched and Bryce Cartwright out of the side altogether. Jared Wallace has been brought back. For me, Broncos. even with all the changes and as much as they're not playing well, they have to win playing yep, simple. Otherwise, do. their season is basically barely up. If they yeah. can't beat the Gold Coast, even with a weakened roster, they're toast. Um, sad to say, really, this early, but it's Sorry the truth. To say. Sorry to say, but it's the truth. Dollar thirty six for the bookies are the Broncos. Three ten for the Titans. Minus seven and a half is the line. Would you touch anything in that game, bro? No. Neither would I. Neither would I. Great game to finish off Saturday night. Eels versus Raiders uh, on the Eels side of things. Takarengi replaces Penny Terrapo on the bench. Nathan Brown's name at lock, despite facing that suspension. I'll have to update the website in a minute and see if there's a result for that. Should be by now. It's almost ten o'clock. Kane Evans is set to return from suspension, but he has suffered a calf injury. So, possibility there that he won't be playing. Yep, no, he's not playing. So, they pretty much uh, only got two changes there. Canberra named an unchanged side despite last week's result. And looking again at the extended interchange, 
Dunamis Louis probably the only one they'd look to maybe bring back in, but they dropped him out last week in favour of Ryan Sutton and Hudson Young. Uh, both need, or Parramatta don't need a win. They'd like to win after that loss. Canberra obviously would like to bounce back, but I'm going to go with the Eels. Yeah, same. From what I've seen so far. Trust my eye, and the Eels to me look look like the team. Yep, the, the better team of these two. At yeah. this point in time, and the Correct. bookies agree. Dollar sixty-five for the Parramatta Eels. Canberra Raiders two dollars thirty. Minus three and a half is the line in this game. Sunday, the Manly Seagulls up against the Cronulla Sharks. The changes for that one heavy again. Tommy Turbo, Dylan Walker, both out for extended periods. Brendan Elliott moves to fullback. Lachlan Croker comes into 5'8". George Tafur returns on the wing, as does Marty Tapau in the front row. Cade Cust joins the interchange now as the new utility player. Um, and for the Sharks, Andrew Fafita's name to start with Hamian Ueli going back to the interchange. And other than that, they're unchanged as well. This one's easy again. Manly to win last week and with a few guys back in despite losing Turbo. Yeah, Manly. I just think, again, that they're better over the 80 minutes and I'm, I have a lot more faith in their side until they prove me otherwise. And the bookies agree again. $1.60 for Manly, two thirty-five for the Sharks, minus three and a half. The line in the last game of the round, Dogs-Tigers, Carrot Holland in for Christian Crichton in the back line. Jack Coggers on the interchange. Nick Meaney is back in the side. He could be a late inclusion, apparently, and along with Aiden Tolman, maybe a late inclusion, so there's possibility for some changes there. They're stuck with Wakeham in the halves, Avarillo still in the centres. Um, forward pack, no different bench, the same. For the Tigers, though, a couple injuries last week. Robert Jennings did his hamstring. Zane Musgrove injured his foot and Alex Twile's knee. With that happening, Tommy Talao was back after a week off injured. He's in on the wing. Oliver Clark straight into the front row for Zane Musgrove. And Matt Eisenhuth starts at lock. And Elijah Taylor has been brought in on the bench. As much as I love the Bulldogs, there's never a good thing as far as having changes for the Tigers. I'm starting to like more and more what I've seen from that combination of Dewey, Brooks, Reynolds, and in particular Harry Grant. Uh, I mean, the Dogs will certainly give them all they can handle. And we never know what Tigers we're going to get. But if the Tigers are serious again, they have to win this game. Yep. Um, Tigers. They need a backup last week. 100%. Back up that first half at least. Mm. And the odds $1.42 for the Tigers, two ninety For the Dogs, minus 5.5 is the line there. And as we finish all that and look at the judiciary update, Brown copped two weeks. So he was found guilty. Tried to fight the charge. He has two non-similar offences over the past two years. He sought a downgrade after entering an early guilty plea, but has received a two-match ban. And yep. Radley accepted his own $700 fine for a shot of his own on Clinton Gutherson. Christian Crichton was the only other player charged in the round, but his, matter, uh, his case is yet to be resolved. He could be suspended for two matches for a shoulder charge. Carrigan and Flegler, as I said, are already suspended. Pereira got two games as well, and a couple other guys got fines and suspensions, and Wade Egan was the big one for that moment against Latrell Mitchell, um, but he got contrary conduct, so he's out this week. Wow. And a few people might be saying, why don't you talk about the Latrell situation on Friday night? I think there's been enough said about it. It's none of our business. Um, and plain and simple. I don't care. At the end of the day, it is none of our business, and it's no one else's business. They get enough exposure, enough put about in the media. He has been to the ringer, some of it for his own doing, but... 
the camera's in there. They've caught him crying. It's none of your business. I, I don't, and I don't care. As no. long as he's all right. Exactly. And that's I the main care. thing. But people are going, oh, we deserve to, You don't deserve to know. You, There's enough information, enough crap out there to have to deal Corey with. Corey Parker carried Corey on like Parker. a pork chop wow. on, uh, on Fox League the night of the game. Just unbelievable. Also had, a, had as much of a crack at Wayne Bennett as he did. Um, Latrell, it, it was just, it was just shit. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with you. Suddenly, we just believe that every little piece of information entitled. is entitled to be public knowledge, and it's not. No, um, I applaud Wayne Bennett for, but you know, like he could have spoke better, I guess, more respectful, or you know, if you want to go down that avenue, I suppose he was a little bit short and snappy, but. Oh, still, he's always like What's that. wrong with oh, the trail or what's going? That's I don't know. I don't have any issue with how. No, he, I don't have what he said. I don't have an issue with it. So, so yeah, I think people are trying to dive in too much, and well, even if we wanted to talk about it, we don't know. No, but and I, don't, I don't want to know. No, I don't want to know either because it's none of my business. Yeah, and a lot of people out there, you're not entitled to know. That's his his life, and uh, there's already enough again written about him, said about him, putting the paper to do with rugby league, all well and good, but clearly whatever that is. That's a personal thing. That's none of your business. Yeah. So nothing else needs to be said. Bets, Brock, you got anything you really, really like? Yeah, like Penrith and Para. You like the Panthers, would you do anything or would you just take the head-to-head? I'd stick them together. So if you took $1.74 and I think Para was one sixty, were not they? I think it was $1.75 and $1.65 when I looked before. So if I add Penrith, add Parramatta, I mean a multi... 287 and you can odds boost it basically to $3. Happy days. So there you go. If you like those two, they're the two that Brock likes this week. You can and stick them together. Even better, KFC's got 24 for 10 on. Ah, shit, yeah. It's the only time I eat 24. It's the only time I eat KFC, 24 nuggies. for 10. Yeah. Good old nuggies. How good are they? The best. They're a great time. Uh, I think I'm with you. I like both those games. I really like the Panthers in that one. I think more what you said if I can get. Minus three and a half. Uh, Ladbrokes are the one I've been using lately. They do two dollar lines. They bump everything up to two bucks. That's good. So I'd take the minus three and a half, and then in that Parramatta game, similar deal. If it's minus three and a half, that that could could be a two point win. Um, yeah, I'd take minus one and a half. That game. I'd probably take both of those at the two dollar lines. Put those together. Bump it up. Happy days. See what I can get. But there you go. Done for another week. As always, if you're out there, rate and review us on iTunes, especially if you've been listening on there for a long time. It takes two seconds. Let us know what you think. If you've got any questions, anything, again, feel free, whether it be on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, that discussion page. We'll post it up. Jump on board. Get in there with the other listeners and the fans. There's been a lot of good stuff on there. Plenty of people yeah, post putting stuff. out it's their great. thoughts and ideas. Keep posting. We want that to keep ramping up because there's nothing better than having like-minded people to talk footy about. Yep. Um, and, yeah, other than that, Hope everyone's doing well. Hope for the restrictions and everything coming down and a bit more normality uh, is helping everybody in their everyday life in all aspects. And well, things. the next, next, uh, next point is um, getting back to the footy. That's it. Getting back there and fingers crossed we don't have anything like Melbourne or any little mishaps or anything set us back. Uh, but yeah, other than that, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hold up. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.